0: Welcome to Beyond Excedentials podcast. I'm your host Anthony Petrelis, and we are excited here today for our 11th episode. And what a phenomenal coach we have on here today! Um, You know, phenomenal for two reasons. Uh, One, we'll learn in a few minutes. A phenomenal lacrosse player in college, a Hall of Fame lacrosse player, uh, which we'll get into it a little bit. But also a very, very dominant coach um, at Central Catholic, and has been the girls' lacrosse coach there now, I believe, for maybe going into her seventh or eighth season, Um, and someone who is just really understands how to work with young kids, built a really solid program, and you're going to hear some great things today. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, from Central Catholic, we have Ashley Sukalas.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Anthony. What a nice, nice welcome along. Um, I'm really excited to be here tonight, excited to do this. I've been watching a bunch of your podcasts, and this is exactly what needs to be out there.
0: Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. And we we go back a little bit through her days of teaching in Medford. We've always talked sports, so it's nice to really come on here and, and really hear more about what she does with her team and program. So uh, I'm going to start with, with some numbers here. And I don't, I don't want to embarrass you and turn your face like 10 shades of red here, but You have some pretty impressive college numbers that I just kind of want our audience to hear a little bit about um, before we get jumping into your coaching career. So you went to the University of New England. Okay, so we figured the statistics out that you played 52 games. So you missed one season to like an injury, correct?
1: Yep, it's for my ACL, my uh, junior college.
0: Okay, so these stats, I'll keep in mind, are freshman stats, sophomore stats, and senior stats. So not even your upper class years of junior and senior, just your underclass years and your last year, right? So okay. in 52 games, she had 249 points, 170 goals, 79 assists. Uh, I mean, that's crazy. And then 2005, your freshman numbers, rookie of the year, you had 86 points, 57 goals, 29 assists if I did my homework right, um, which is, is pretty consistent pace with your numbers if you average everything out, which is even more impressive. Um, and then you had 10 or more games with four uh, – 10, 10, we had four games with 10 or more points, and you had at least one game with 12 or more points. I mean, that's crazy. Um, so I just – I thought it was really important for the audience to, to recognize, you know, not only someone was a really good coach, but someone who played the game and played it really well. Um, So sorry to embarrass you, but I had to throw those numbers out there when I did my homework a little bit
1: Thank you, yeah, no, it was, I mean, definitely a fun time College years were a lot of fun Got to play the sport I loved with an awesome group of girls and each year it was just even better
0: yeah, so let, let's talk about it then, right? So obviously I just read some great phenomenal numbers that you had a, as a player, um, but now you, you, you come home from, you know, from college and you jump into the world of coaching. Talk about the biggest adjustment you made or just your story in general of being a player and then jumping into being um, a coach.
1: Sure. Um, so I guess athletics have always been in my life something that I've I kind of identified majority of my myself with and then after I graduated I moved back home so I'm a resident of Billerica um, and one of my friends she's actually a Arlington Catholic alum um, Heather Marino reached out to me she was the assistant coach at the time for Phil Rally, who started the girls program at Central Catholic and they heard word that I was back home and um, reached out to get me on board of coaching there and I was excited to jump right in i jumped in as the jv coach for two years and the assistant coach Um, but it definitely was a big change of scenery from playing in college then going back to the high school level Um, especially at the jv level which i think was really a great way for me to get into coaching it really brought basics back to me um, brought the fundamentals and more just the core of why you love to be part of a team and why you want to be constantly learning. And I think the best way to learn more about yourself is to teach it to others. Um, And it really, really just kind of honed in that this is something that I didn't realize that I wanted to do for the rest of my life.
0: And that's awesome. So obviously, you jumped into the coaching world. And, you know, I I always found that I thought I knew so much about football until I started becoming a coach. And then I learned this whole other aspect of the game. Talk about that for you that adjustment from coach to player as far as the way the game is thought out, you know, by your coaching staff.
1: Absolutely. Um, And one thing about the game changing from the day I started playing lacrosse to, to today. Rules change every single year, so it's one of those that you're constantly trying to learn more, trying to educate more. And by the time you think you know it, they're like, "Well, oh, let's gonna let's introduce a shot clock. Let's do this. Let's," which is awesome. It's making the great the game grow that much quicker. Girls getting more invested, um, and I think the big thing with that is it was really, really great to get back or start coaching and learn more about the sport from the whole field. Um, So when I played, I played center, so I was taking the face off, attack, defense, you name it, but really honing in on the specialty of each position, which I think really helped me uh, learn more about the sport, learn more how to specialize the whole team approach, the whole game approach, channeling it from goalie to defense to midfield to attack. Um, So I think it was really important to learn more about the game, more about the information about it, the rules, and from every single angle instead of just what I was doing.
0: Yeah, I always found that in football that you know the position that I coached is position that I played, and there was just so much I didn't know about it, right? And so, like you said, kind of planning out those you know those strategies and the way that you might line your defense up or offense up or the way you might attack is just a little bit different now that you have the knowledge of understanding why. So you coach for a couple of years as an assistant, and then the head coaching job opened up, and I love kind of talking about this aspect with coaches because for the young coaches that are listening out there that will go through this process at some point when they want to make that jump, can you? talk a little bit about the process of making that decision to make that jump, but then what you had to do to, to get the job.
1: Sure. Um, so in the grand scheme of it, I think it was a pretty easy transition. Um, so being the the JV coach and the assistant and then strictly just the assistant for two years, which was really nice. So the guy that I worked under, I, I mentioned his name earlier, Phil Raleigh, he was an awesome coach, still coaches now. He's coached many sports, hockey and lacrosse. There's two big things. Um, and the years prior to him leaving, he was like, all right, Ash, here's what I want you doing. He handled more of the business side, we'll say. He did the scheduling. He did the parent meetings, so on and so forth. So he let me do all the coaching, which made that really easy for the transition to when I applied for the head position job, sat down with um, the current athletic director, Ernie DiFiore, worked things out, ended up getting the position. So then I guess the hardest and biggest transition for me was running the business aspect of coaching. So scheduling, meetings, parents, the papers, the stats, you name it. That was one of the biggest adjustments.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, I was going to ask you that. I mean, I I just, I know, same thing, making that jump, it's everything. It's like beyond teaching and coaching and and having that ready to go. It's, all the other stuff that you never even thought of before that you're like, wait, I have to do that. Uh, so it definitely is a huge adjustment. So, you know, obviously when you take over for a program as an assistant, jumping into becoming a head coach, there's, you know, there's some things I'm sure that you wanted to keep in place that were working well in the program that you said, you know what, there's nothing to change. But what was the blueprint, I guess, that, you, you know, you're a young coach, you get this job, you've only been there a couple of years, so I'm guessing maybe 24, 25, somewhere around there. So you're pretty young. Talk about, you know, what you kind of wanted to do that, make this program yours and take that next step?
1: Yeah, so I think for me, the biggest thing, and I, I think it still holds strong, um, is developing the program, growing the program as a sport. Um, when I came on as an assistant coach, we were getting athletes, we were getting phenomenal athletes. There's just a crazy amount of athletes at Central Catholic that are just great, um, great students great people. And then it started to get the interest of lacrosse players, which I think was really big. So for me, what I really wanted to exemplify from our program was just seeing a young professional female um, who played the sport, who knows the sport, who loves the sport, and really pushing that on the girls that they can envision themselves to be that, whether they choose to go off and play lacrosse in college or to just go and learn and Get a wonderful education and a career. Um, being that sound mind body of making sure that they're they're successful and really buying into the program of you're here, you're expected to be here. I want you to get the most out of it for for us, for yourself, for the team. And then what can you take from here? Not just in the classroom, not on the field, but in life. What skills are you going to develop? And I think that really. Help the girls realize that I was invested in them as a person, not just as a player on the field, not just a number with the name on the jersey. It was representing who we are as a program them as an individual and the growth to see them succeed later.
0: And I think that's so important, right? Because we are really trying to set them up for that next step in life. You know, obviously the skills of discipline and hard work and, you know, all those attributes that you use to become a better athlete, you also use those in the workforce and later on in life when, you know, you become a family man or family woman and you do all that stuff. So it's definitely those skills that we're teaching them very young on that really has the impact on them as they get older and older. So it's great to hear that that's like a core value of your program. So talk about your program. I mean, how, what are the numbers like in your program? Do you have th- levels and uh typically maybe your, your style a little bit as a coach and and how you uh, put the product on the field
1: yeah so um it started out and i'll give you i guess the evolution of the whole program there was only a varsity team then it became a varsity and jv and then um, we're fortunate enough now to have a varsity a JVA, and a jvb um, Our numbers keep getting stronger and keep getting better. Um, Even simple things of we have girls that are coming out have been playing lacrosse since they were eight years old, and then I have girls that I'll say come out of retirement and come out senior year because they were potentially maybe focusing on another sport, Um, gearing that towards college and, and coming out. I mean, our interest is there. We're getting a lot of the girls sell it for us i mean they're they're doing a great job um and i think the big thing for me coaching style is i really want them to be there every day um you've coached high school players before you know that this is they they could say this or they won't but it's always on their mind it's the most important thing in their life if it's their sport if it's the one thing that that makes them tick they want to be there every day and I think the big thing is making them realize how important it is for them too. Um, I like to have a lot of fun at practice. I like to challenge them. I like to to be creative and have their input too. I I'll get a text or an email throughout the day of girls being like, "Coach, you have to see this play I drew up. We should try this." Um, so I think the whole approach of us as a as a team um, together works really well. And then me personally, I'm I'm. I mean, you, you know me, I'm a pretty positive person and, I, and that's, that's my goal for these girls is I want them to be able to, to approach me, to approach the assistant coaches, the JV coaches, because to me it's all about family. We're, we're together so much that I think it's important that no matter what happens outside of the practice, outside of the game, that we can get through that together.
0: Yeah. And I think it's just amazing to hear that across the board in sports. It's just like building that culture, that family aspect. Right. And I, you know, in football, it's so important because, you know, like for your girls, they're out there every day together, but they do have that opportunity for a couple hours a day to take their mind off of what's going on in their life or what's bothering them to go out in the field and kind of work together towards a goal. And, you know, it takes a great leader to do that. And your numbers don't lie. You were 2017, 2018. And then in 2019, you were the co coach of the, you know, coach of the year in your are uh, Merrimack Valley. So, you know, three years in a row, you're definitely have building your program, you know, towards the way that you probably have envisioned it. So let's talk a little bit about, and I always find this intriguing. The, the, I will, you'll dig into the X's and O's is, you know, on, on a lacrosse team, typically how many girls do you have on your bench? And, you know, do you utilize girls for different specialties? Like, do you have certain face-off girls or a certain speed? Like talk about how you utilize the bench as much as you possibly can.
1: Um, so it's an awesome question. I think every coach is going to answer this so differently. Um, and I, I really, I think over the years, learned to utilize the bench a lot more. Um, and that's, you know, I think part of coaching, you learn what works, what doesn't, and it's okay to switch things up. Um, there was, let's think, I'm trying to think the last two seasons at the beginning of the 2019 and the 2018 season, I want to say the first six games, probably six or seven in each season, we didn't have the same starting lineup each game. Um, It was one of those who's showing up to play, how practices were going. And then same thing too. uh, I've had players that are like, all right, coach, they've been playing for me for two, three years. And I was like, you know what, this year, you're going to be phenomenal on defense. You're going to sign up for defense. And they're like, I've never played defense. I'm going to attack and so on and so forth. They end up being the best defender we have. Um, So I think it's really honing into what's working, what's gelling that season, what's working. All right, number 12 is going in, they're killing it on attack. And I see, hey, I have the same confidence in number 14, who's going to go and replace her after the, you know, this play or that expectation that I have them trying to meet um, what their goal is for that day. And I think we've been really fortunate to have our strength and our depth. Um, and that's been really beneficial um, in the last handful of seasons going into playoffs that I'm comfortable putting in the number one to the number 22.
0: That's great. And I mean, to have that depth is, is great. You know, it's one thing to talk about it and try to utilize it. It's another thing to have it and find those, you know, little things that people might do well um, and can just help the team out and, and, and more importantly, take on that role, right? Because it's always hard to convince or at least I found in football to convince a kid to come in and specialty downs and maybe they only get five to 10 plays a game, but they're really important in certain situations that we, we execute and we need them, you know? So it's great to hear that, that, that happens in a lot of sports, that there's a lot of strategy that goes on to it. So speaking of strategy, let's talk, I I mentioned you, you know, Merrimack Valley, talk about scheduling non-league games, because I know that your, your, your league, your conference is very tough. And so obviously, you obviously play a certain amount of non-league games. I know this year it's probably going to be different, but typically in general, how do you look when you, when you book non-league games? Are you like trying to take on big time teams? Are you trying to balance your schedule out? Talk a little bit about the strategy that goes into that.
1: Um, so personally, I like stacking the, stacking, stacking the games. Um, we typically have we'll say five or six depending on the season roughly five teams that I'll schedule non-conference like you were saying I I hold this true the Merrimack Valley is one of the best in the state I think we've got amazing competition that goes through and through and I want to match that if not beat that with who are playing in off season. um Since I've been coaching in the Merrimack Valley Conference, specifically at Central for a long time, I've developed really great relationships with a lot of coaches from other leagues. Um, In the past, so I typically keep the same five teams every single year and they are all contenders in the tournament every single year, top 20, top 10, you name it. Um, Because I personally feel if we're playing teams that are weak, it's not going to do anything towards us getting ready for, playoffs, getting ready for a game against Andover, a game game against North Andover in conference when they're really coming down to who's going to be MVC one who's going to be in second place, third place. I think we really got to set the bar high because then it also just pushes the girls. If we're playing teams that aren't necessarily at our caliber, it's not going to do anything for them. Okay, And I think when we play teams that aren't necessarily at our level, that's when I see us make the biggest mistakes. So I think it's important to to challenge ourselves because what better teacher is an opponent who's just as good if not better
0: yeah uh, that's awesome uh you know and that's kind of how you know in my coaching world coaching on the search Clavio, was he wanted to play anybody he didn't care who it was and it is you're right you know there is risk and reward to it but um, you know, it's up to I think us as coaches to kind of get them in the position to realize that yes, we're playing up, but we can play with them and we prepare them. So that's great. I love that. And, um,
1: and yeah. there's no better win when they're like right. the I'll I'll tell you every year. Oh, think- um, we play Burn every fourteen and one, and we're two and fifteen. Whatever this, whatever the records are. It is one of my most favorite games we play every year. It's overtime every year. It's by one. It's so competitive. And it's I mean, Maggie over there does a great job with her, her team and program, but it's always, you know, when you win games like that that are out of conference that you're like, this could be the one game that that gets us into playoffs. This could be the one that and it just it holds that much more value for the girls.
0: That's great. I I love it. Uh, You broke up a little bit, but we caught we caught what you said. So just a heads up on that. That's all. Uh, It happened. It actually ironically happened enough with Macalusi. That that was the last person that it happened with. I say, blame
1: of
0: course. that. <laughs> um, so talk about, um, coaching because, you know, I think you and I share a very similar, uh, thought process and value as far as how you go about looking for your coaches and, and the type of people that you want to be around these kids, especially where you might not be able to be there teaching and working somewhere else. Talk about the importance of a, a great assistant coaching staff.
1: Yeah. So, um, As you know, and I think this is for anyone that coaches at the high school level, the first and foremost is having somebody that can make that commitment. Um, Because it's it's not a forgiving schedule, right? I mean, it's conducive, perfect for teachers and anyone that can make a three o'clock bus or 2.30 bus. Um, But for me, what I've found to be extremely, extremely helpful and extremely important to our program is we've had a lot of alumni come back. Um, We've had alumni come back and coach for us and coach for a while and then they left and went to grad school or furthered education or careers. But um, currently on our coaching staff, we do have two alumni. And I think the best part about it is it kind of goes with what I talked about a little earlier is they're seeing girls that went through this program that found a love for the sport, continued that sport in college, they're working professionals, they're successful, and then where do they come back? They came back to their roots. They came back to what taught them how to be a team player, what built character for them, what taught them how to fail and dust it off and keep moving, right? So I think when our high school girls get to see that and see some very successful alumni come through, because then they're, they're knowing, hey, this is a great place for me and I'm happy to see that other people have been successful, that could be me in the future too and i think it really holds a lot of value to the girls when they're playing in our program
0: yeah you know and i think you you mentioned something really important that is like learning from our losses or learning from our mistakes like because to me there's nothing more than losing a game and them being disappointed and you being disappointed and working that much harder practice and you being that much tougher as a coach and then coming out and winning that game. Because then it shows them, okay, what was the difference between the practices before and the practices now? We worked hard, right? So there is that yeah. added value to it. Absolutely. You learn from your mistakes. And I think that, you know, sometimes you want your kids to make mistakes in the sense that we learn more valuable lessons when you're just kind of mowing everybody down and beating everybody. You're not learning as much lessons. You just expect it to happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, so talk a little bit about how you guys um, expect your players to spend their offseason. I know all these coaches I talk to, this is a big question that I ask because I know in the world of girls across the area, there's so many options in this off season to be able to play. Um, and I know some coaches hold important of playing multiple sports or playing sports for your high school. So maybe talk about where you stand on that a little bit and what your expectations are for your girls in the off season.
1: Sure. Um, so first and foremost, they should be doing something. Regardless what they choose. Um, I think they need to be active all year round. Um, I also think they need to get the appropriate amount of rest for themselves. Um, but me, I'm a big fan of multi sport athletes. I think the more specifically they're involved at their high school level too, um, only fosters more important relationships in the school community. Um, and it translates. I mean, I look at these girls and I chat with these girls and I chat with them after, um, they graduate. Some of the best relationships they've developed have been through a lot of their high school sports that they played with each other, but I'm also a proponent of having them play club lacrosse. Okay. Cause at the end of the day, multi-sport athletes, I think are phenomenal. It's great for body awareness. It's good for working different muscles. Great for just awareness of who you are as an athlete and where your skill levels can focus and where you need to switch it up. But I also am a big fan of those girls having the stick in their hand all year round. Um, and the nice thing too, is the girls will do a fall league and a winter league together that hopefully will be starting up in a couple weeks um, so that they are playing together, getting used to each other and pulling in the freshmen and potentially sophomores that maybe haven't tried out for the program to get them involved as well.
0: That's great, and and I think you know as as important it is is, is you know players being competitive and just playing something in general or focus in or honing in on that sport that they play. Um, you know, you guys as coaches kind of educate yourselves a lot too. And, you know, maybe through, you know, um, you know, webinars or going to conferences and so on, but talk about the other aspect of how you spend your off season. Like I know coaches coach year round, but talk about some time. I mean, how much time do you honestly take away from just not worrying about lacrosse and just enjoying life before the lacrosse starts cycling back in that brain again?
1: Um, this that's, a, <laughs> it's a great question. I would say it's not, not in my brain all the time, but um, for me, and this is something that went back to me as a student in high school. I was a two sport athlete. I didn't play three sports. I never did anything in the fall because I was that person that I needed to adjust into the school year. And I still hold that true. And I think that is for me personally, my time where I, I spend the most of the time with my family, um, and I I try to take that to freshen up right when I'm before I'm starting to rebuild my schedules to do this to do that, um, because coaching is it's a full full time job. No matter what people think or say, you're constantly thinking about your girls. You're constantly thinking about oh, I'm still thinking about a game two seasons ago that we could have done this or could have done that. Um, but I think the big thing is, yeah, because you want them to be, you're in contact with them all the time, but it is important to, to take that time. I used to coach club and I, I took a break from that once I chose to have a family to make sure that I could get that balance um, into the lacrosse world.
0: Yeah, and and so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a funny question off of this just because I'm just really curious. I've coached some coaches that uh, coach in the talked to some coaches that coach in the spring, and the last two lacrosse coaches I had on was Macalusi from Melrose and uh, Megan Olson from Medford, and I didn't ask them this question, so I got to ask it to you. How do you deal with coaching in the spring during like prom season and semi-formal season, especially on the girl's side of things? Cause I know like the boys, I mean, the boys are like, I got to go get my suit on. I got to go get my hair cut. Like, yeah. but coaching girls, I'm sure it's just a whole different animal. So I'm just really curious about that.
1: No, I, I love that you asked that. And I laugh because I can only Matt's a good friend of mine. And I can only imagine what Galusi would say to us. Cause we've had many of conversations about it. Um, I think it's something that is embedded in my schedule. I plan around it now. Um because I, I remember when I played I was like, oh, it doesn't matter that it's from, I have a game. Like it just always went that way. And now it's such a big culture experience for the kids and especially to be involved so that we work around it and it's it's exciting for them and it's another opportunity for me get to get to see the girls in a different they're not in their jerseys. They're all dressed up, young ladies, and they're having a great time and being responsible and enjoying it. And then you hear about them going for their tanning, for their this, for their that. They get they get all into it. It's it's. Uh.
0: I can't imagine, you know, and I see like, they're like all these promposals now yeah. and all that, like get a jukebox, hold it up outside their house and call it a day. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, I've, I've seen a couple of those at our lacrosse games.
0: <laughs> there we go. So, yeah. I mean, it's all out there. Everything's up for grabs when it comes yeah. to that. That's great. So um, true. So I'm going to ask you a couple of little side questions just because we do share being educators in common. And this is a question sure. that I haven't asked a lot of coaches that I, I just want to ask. And I just never do for whatever reason is talk about being an educator and being a coach, because I just think, I know for me, like I got so much better at both jobs because of the other job. Um, and it just taught me a lot. So talk about how both kind of maybe help you get better um, at, at each other's jobs. Sure.
1: I think, To me, I think they go hand in hand, a coach, a teacher, to me, you are a lifelong learner. And I think that's the most important thing about it is even when you think you have everything you need in your bag of tricks, something else is gonna come your way and you need to know how to adjust on a fly. Um, And I think that goes really well as in regards to understanding your players. being an educator, and, and I'll talk about this, that I get to teach health education, which to me goes really well into coaching because you're dealing with a lot of the social emotional aspect of the girls, um, understanding who they are, what makes them tick. And I think the best part about being an educator and being a coach is, and I think I talked about this a little earlier is, I have the best interest for the whole child not for just the lacrosse player, not because they're a stellar student, but what's the best interest for them? Is it gonna be that they just wanna be part of this team or do they wanna be the number one scorer on this team or the best goalie on this team? Or is their goal to be on this to help them manage their time in school with their grades, with their assignments? And I think that has made me understand a little more about the world as an athlete, Um, because when I was playing Even when I started coaching, I'm like, it's only about winning, it's about winning, which end of the day, yes, it's about winning, but it's also about how to manage the players to be successful.
0: Yeah, and I think that message is pretty well delivered in all all honesty. it's it, what I found was so interesting is when I started looking up your social media page. I noticed that you know you're pretty active on social media. Talk about how social media has really helped your program because you know I see it now like every kid you look on there. It's like you know Anthony Petrella's five foot six, 185. Like everybody uses it as their profile their 40 time and everything else. So talk about how. like you know social media in general specifically maybe twitter has really helped you and your program grow
1: yeah so i think a big thing so when i first started coaching it wasn't wasn't even a thing to be putting things out there all you did was game over you look at your stat book you call into the paper there's your publicity um now i think what it's doing for our program is we're putting out things that we just do naturally um we do fun things at practice we're going to highlight those the girls do team outings we do team bonding and i think putting stuff like that to realize we're not just here strictly as athletes we're here developing relationships we're here learning about friendships we're learning about um ways to coexist with people that maybe we don't agree with um and i think that's really just pushed it out plus we've had a lot more interest from colleges coming to see um, because springtime i think is a hard time for spring athletes to have coaches come look because they're just ending their seasons by the time we're midway through. So making sure that they can get to us so that they're seeing our schedule, seeing our stats helps them stay more connected um, and reaching out towards specific players that they might be interested in
0: that's awesome and i just i find it so interesting because you know the more i'm doing this and the more sports that i'm following or following me it's just amazing how much you know just twitter alone has really changed the realm of how information travels and how many people are truly at sporting events you know yeah. um, recording it and giving people updates and people liking it it's, it's just it's awesome it's a whole different yeah. world and it's definitely changed the high school game around here for sure instagram's um,
1: coming next
0: yeah, that, that's it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying to start an Instagram account. I don't have one. I'm, I'm kind of yeah. really hope my wife is, uh, helps me in that department a lot. But, um, yeah, it's
1: just, yeah. For a lot of their, like, highlight videos and everything, it's, it's it's good.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. And it's just, it's a way of getting stuff out there. Technology now is just awesome. And, you know, getting game clips, it's so quick and you can yeah. do it. And it's awesome. Yeah. Um, Talk about the, the advice to young coaches that you have, because, you know, you run a great program. I mean, you know, you were a great player. You run a great program. You know, everyone talks so highly about you in the lacrosse world. So what is your advice to young coaches that are going to make that climb and try to get to their, you know, to the pinnacle and, and start their own program or have their own program?
1: So I think, I think the big thing is making sure you have the full commitment. Um, you can't go into it and expect to just show up for practices and games. It's That's not what it is. Um, in the springtime alone, I I spend more time with my team than I probably do with my, my own family. And I think the biggest thing is understanding that you're showing up to support your, your team. You're showing up to be part of their life outside of just lacrosse. If they're in the catwalk or if they're in kicking it in field hockey, you know, you're representing and being a part of their lives throughout that too. Um, You're their biggest support system. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I think young coaches need to know. And I also think they need to know that it's okay to fail and it's okay to make mistakes because without that and the what ifs and if I should have take that risk, do it. And if it fails, you learn from it. And it's now something that you're not so worried about again. And I think End of the day you want to walk away whenever you choose to end coaching or what have you make it be something that you're proud of
0: that's great that's awesome it's a great message to young coaches and i think it's always good to get head coaches perspective for people that you know want to make that jump and and really want to pursue a passion and a dream of theirs and it's awesome to hear others who have done that so um, I kind of save this to more towards the end because I know it's just such a larger topic and you've already experienced this but you know you guys lost a season last year to COVID so I'm going to ask you kind of this in two parts one just kind of talk about that experience of of losing a season and you know how as a coach you you will probably just like constantly keeping in touch with your kids because I'm sure they were blowing you up nonstop about what's happening and so on and then after just talk about how you're currently navigating your team now in the offseason
1: sure um it's rough it was rough i would say and i i know teams are experiencing it differently now um and maybe i'm biased to this but i think for last year's spring athletes everything was taken away and i think that was really tough Uh, put them in a vulnerable spot but kids are way more resilient than we are. Um, and they handled it, I believe, from my girls, they handled it in stride. Were they hurt, were they sad? Yes, but they held their head up, they did the right things, they worked on their game individually, collectively. Um, but it was, it was it was gonna be a phenomenal season. We had such a strong team um, and it would have been a wonderful season, but it, it worked the way things were supposed to work out. Um, And then moving forward for for this year, we have a hold on not being able to do anything out of season because of restrictions right now um, within the school. But girls are registered, they are ready. We have two teams to be doing a indoor league in Danvers, which they're extremely excited about. And it's a a range of seniors to freshmen to experienced to non-experienced to to get ready for the season. Fingers crossed, everything goes perfectly and we'll have another successful season. And I think going into this season, the girls that are returning from last year will have a little extra edge and a little more drive to to want it a little more.
0: Yeah, it's, it's you know, I, I do feel for the teams last year that went through it and I think just no one just knew what was going on. You know, it was, it was just very scary. And, and, you know, for those kids to lose that, it's tough. It's a tough memory for them not to have as seniors. But um, again, you said how resilient kids are and and they truthfully are. So, you know, I heard you say one thing, and this is not a question just kind of came to my head is talk about the advantage. I mean, you said you have like a JVA and a JVB, right? So talk about the advantage of really having a lot of kids in your program, that where teams are really struggling to get on the field, you have the ability to really mix teams up and have some pretty good inter-squad scrimmages.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, your your best competition is the person you look at in the mirror. Um, and I think it's a good thing to mix it up in practices where we have varsity playing with JV and vice versa, where it's teams specifically, I think, in girls lacrosse have struggled with trying to get their numbers lately. Um, and we've been fortunate enough that each year our our numbers are staying consistent and/or growing, and I think it's been a great thing. And and hey, social media probably helps out in seeing that the kids are getting very involved and um, in coming to play, which has been really great.
0: Awesome. And and just you know, as a last question that I kind of ask all my guests is, you know, what success comes a lot of sacrifice, right? And obviously at a young age, you got right into coaching, you took over a program at a fairly young age. Talk about the sacrifices you make with family and relationships and friendships and talk about how you, you know, you really made a lot of sacrifices in your life to kind of get where you are right now.
1: Sure. Um, Sacrifice is a tough word, right? Uh, (laughs) I'd say sacrifice, but also some benefits for me. Um, I think because it's, I don't know, it's something that has been one of the biggest parts of my life and still will be. Um, but yeah, at a young age, right out of college, I'm, I'm getting into this and my friends are saying, hey, let's go on this trip, let's go on that trip. And they're trying to plan them for springtimes. And I'm like, nope, here's my, this is my schedule. This is what I'm sticking to. Um, and then later in life is working professional, got married, decided to have children. I have, without a doubt, the biggest support system that I've had since day one when I was a kid. My my parents, if need be, in the drop of a dime, will take my son, Jack. Um, Same thing, my husband, they, big conversation that him and I had um, when we decided to have children was to, I was like, Derek, do you need me to stop coaching? And he was like, Ash, I can't imagine you not. Um, Whatever we need to do, we'll do. And I think I've had such a strong support system to encourage me to continue to do something that I love. Uh, And if you go to any of the games, you'll see my dad sitting in the middle of the crowd and my husband up in the top corner and assessing what plays I should be doing and thinking of it because, I mean, without a strong support system, the sacrifices potentially wouldn't have been there.
0: Yeah, and I think that's just so important. And I love asking that question, especially for the younger coaches that are listening, even the players, to realize that coaches are human beings too, and coaches have a lot that's going on in their lives and a lot that's on their plate. And you know, and and I know, having young kids while coaching too, is just it's not easy. So you know, there's just a lot of sacrifice, and it's good for people to hear that. You know that. Yes, you've had a lot of success, but with that success comes a lot of things in your life that you shift around in order to be there and do your job to your fullest. So, you know, I was really lucky to get you on here today. I, I was super excited. Um, I know we touched base, and um, it, it was awesome just talking to you and, and just hearing everything that you have to say. Your school's lucky. You're at a great place. Yeah. It seems like uh, you're, when I follow you guys on Twitter, like in every sport, the Twitter pages are just awesome and yeah. and every coach is just always posting and really pumping their program. So it seems like just a real cool spot to be.
1: Yeah. Well, and Anthony, I love that you're doing this. I was talking about this earlier with a friend, showing them some of your stuff. And I know we talked about continuing education for, you know, what you do for lacrosse, what you do for this. How are you educating yourself? This is a great educational tool um, for me personally. And this goes into education too, that you're always looking for realistic professional development and you opening this, this door to have these conversations, me just watching some of the interviews you've done with other coaches. I'm like, Oh, what a great strategy. That's something I didn't think of, or this is great to do because some of my best conversations that develop me as a coach are always those natural conversations that I have with, with other professionals. And I think you're doing such a great thing with this.
0: I appreciate that. Yeah. And like you said, it, it is like PD, right? I mean, you're yeah. listening to how other coaches, you know, maintain a schedule, balance their practices, or, you know, how they do work in their off season. So it is great to hear the little ins and outs of, you know, how different sports work too, both in the boys world and the girls world and yeah. how similar it really is. So uh, we, we have one more segment left on the show. It's called our two minute drill. And it's just like kind of rapid fire. I fire some questions at you about right. your sport. And, uh, you know, one or two word answers, you do get an opportunity to explain and answer. You know, if it's a question that you got to think about or there could be a couple of answers, I'll give you the opportunity to give the couple of answers and why. And then if I want to okay. challenge something and ask your answer about it, uh, same thing, okay? Cool. So let me just get these questions out and let um, me get the timer going. And two-minute drill starts now. What was your biggest victory as a head coach?
1: Ooh, ooh. Um, okay, I think the biggest one was my first year as head coach. Um, it was against Methuen. It was the first round of playoffs. And I think it was just the girls in that year, that team. It, you need to be in that moment to understand why I would pick that, that win.
0: That's great. Okay. Okay. Um, toughest coach you've coached against in your career.
1: Ooh, toughest coach. Um, I think I want to say, I have two coaches that I'm going to say. Okay. I want to say Meredith Pryor from North Andover um, and then Maggie Marr from Woburn. They both seem to know really well about my program, um, ins and outs and everything. And yeah, they they have good strategy.
0: That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, Toughest loss as a coach?
1: Uh, The last game that we played against uh, Marblehead. I could talk about this game, I could talk <laughs> about the the best things about it. It was the most fun of a season that I've ever coached in my life. Um, and it was the toughest loss, I think. we and Anyone that was at that game, um, that watched it, it was a phenomenal game. It was a very tough loss, yeah.
0: yep. Um, on the sideline are you like a coach that's running up and down screaming, or are you a very calm coach?
1: Um, I'm a little bit of my girls always laugh at me because I'm constantly doing up and down squats. I'm down on the ground <laughs> and if I'm up, then I'm on my way to go say something. Um, but I'm, I'm, wherever the ball is, I'm up and down. I move a lot.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That is so <laughs> funny. Um, is there a game between you guys and Melrose in the works in the future?
1: Ah, there definitely needs to be. <laughs> We've scrimmaged Melrose and Matt and I, I mean, that's one thing I miss teaching with him. His we would go back and forth about it. We used to play Medford and I would just come in and talk trash and same thing and vice versa, but it would be a good game. Yeah. Two strong programs. So that'll be something when the time allows that we can do stuff like that. Absolutely.
0: All right. Away, the, Matt. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I am very excited for that. I will be at that game. Um, and the last question I'm going to ask you, it's a tough one. You might, you might have to think about it and I'll give you a chance to respond to it, but the best player you have ever coached. It might be a couple, there might be a couple and you can give one, a one B, one C.
1: I'm going to go, I have two in mind for two totally different reasons.
0: Okay. Um,
1: when I talk about that, that best win that we ever had, the player to me, that's one of the best kids I've ever coached is Steph May. Um, She was not a lacrosse player and she came and she was one of the best that I've ever coached. Um, She picked up a stick. She's a phenomenal soccer player, played in college. And she's the kid, when people ask you, do you want a top scorer? Do you want a top defender? Do you want, I want the kid with passion. And she had that. Um, And then my other number one would be Sierra Lucari. She was hands down, best skill-wise player I've ever seen. She just graduated last year. She's playing at UVM. Um, Watching her and her teammates control the draw was, was a lot of fun
0: awesome awesome okay uh two minute drill you have survived it and again we're so lucky to have you on and um you know it, you know i'll just give you the opportunity you know if there's anything you want to say to your team or get your team you know ready for the season or any message you want to give them you know, i want to give coaches the platform to maybe talk to their teams a little bit too here at the end
1: girls it was bittersweet not having uh, last year but we're ready to take on this year i can't wait to see what we're going to do in the winter and spring's coming
0: I love it. I love it. Well, we're excited. We'll, we'll definitely be following you guys. And um, you know, as I said, we're so appreciative and lucky to have you on here. I learned a lot. I, I actually took a few little notes down. Um, and, and like you said, it's an education for me too, as a coach and, and really listening to what other coaches do and, you know, use their successes to my advantage. So um, again, thank you so much for coming on here. Um, beyond, this is Beyond Accidentals podcast. Um, Anthony Petrellis. thank you so much and, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone.